Welcome in to 11 Personnel. Nick Roush here with Adam Luckett in the middle of Vanderbilt week. Kentucky is 6-3, and three, looking to end the season on a high note with a three-game homestand at Kroger Field to wrap up 2022. Before we dive into it, let me remind you that 11 Personnel is brought to you by our good friends at Port Royal Plants. They make the best plants in Port Royal right here in St. Henry, or not St. Henry, St. Henry's where my wife's from, Henry County, Kentucky. It's a Kentucky proud product, full spectrum CBD that will get you right no matter what time of year it is. You can use some of their uh, Epsom salts in your bath. I'm a big fan. I've, I've preached the gospel of the, the bomb um, in Luckett right now. I keep dealing with the thing where my my toddler wants me to sleep in his twin bed with him. And every morning my back is just wrecked and no amount of stretching can fix it. I, I got to have my Port Royal plants. So do yourself a favor, visit portroyalplants.com today. Um, God, I sound so old when I talk about my back. Just That's just, that's such an old man thing to like, I, I, I was just watching Clark Lee's press conference and like Clark Lee, he doesn't get, he doesn't have old man back problems. Like that dude was a SEC fullback and he's probably in better shape than any of our peers. I mean, that, that, that dude, he, he, he's probably in better shape than half of his football team because they're all sick. Yeah. The little bit of a flu outbreak, it sounds like. Uh, similar to AM. So we don't know much, but it might be a situation like last week for AM where Saturday morning we find out that AM's not going to have 25 players or so. And so we might have to write a post real quick, Nick, of all the players that might be out on Saturday morning for the Cogerfield press box. Um, so that's something, yeah, we're going to be watching closely. Here I, uh, I thought it was amusing that as he's getting asked about his team's flu symptoms, he's just hacking away in the middle of his press conference. Uh, just like, well, um, you know, he ain't lying about it. Uh, he, he's not lying about it at all. Uh, we might be hurting Saturday morning too. Uh, we got the, the for the other Franklin. reasons, <laughs> we got the Franklin lighting Friday afternoon, but hopefully the cats won't be hurting against the Commodores. Kentucky's won six straight in the series. Uh, each game by, Average 13 and a half points. Uh, look at last I saw the spread was 17. Did did the AJ Swan injury have, have we seen if that move the line at all? Uh, yeah, I think it's been 17, 70, 17 and a half. I heard one book maybe took it down, but I think they're all up and running right now. So, yeah, 17 and a half. Uh, it doesn't, I don't think it changes much between Swan and Mike Wright. I think Swan's a better player, but Vanderbilt's still about the same as a team with whoever's back there. So, um, yeah, looking at 17, 17 and a half point spread. Yeah, it um the, these are stay away games, I think, for most smart Kentucky builders. Um, because there is uh we're mentioning right off the top all the uncertainty. I'm seeing Vanderbilt 18 right now on DraftKings, um, for what it's worth. Uh, not only that uncertainty, although it, it does feel like if you're going you don't have What's different about this game this year, you don't have middle, not middle Tennessee, but even a worse team than that. You don't have SoCon Saturday in your favor, right? Like th this is your SoCon Saturday. Um, this is a good opportunity to not only have a stat padding type performance, but also to kind of build some momentum before 
the inevitable buzzsaw comes to Kroger Field the following week, and you've got to go up against that Georgia defense. So um, th- that would be, if, you, if you're considering playing it, uh, maybe you just look at the Kentucky team total over. Um, but th- this would be an ideal time to to break that 31-point ceiling that that's held your offense down so far this season. Yeah, I think that's – to me, that's a big question of this game. Vanderbilt – is bad on defense. Their pass defense is specifically bad. Mm-hmm. Every Power Five passing offense has lit them up like a Christmas tree. And you go out and throw the ball Saturday. Like a, I, I love that you're using the timely references too, because uh, I saw some dude out there putting lights on the gutter this week. Shout yeah. out to Mark if you're watching. I know you're a big Cats fan, but yeah, <laughs> it's, it's we're getting that time of year like it. So that's just where we're at with this. So Kentucky needs to come out and have a good game on offense. Like, I think you mentioned it on the depth chart podcast this week, Nick. Like, just to put it bluntly, let's score more than 31 points. Like, let's see that out of the offense. You haven't scored more than 31 in a game this year. Let's see you do it. To me, it Vanderbilt played Northern Illinois, and it was a close game. To me, this game kind of feels like the Northern Illinois game. Um, it's a game Kentucky's going into expecting to win. They have a big game right around the corner. For Kentucky's offense, it's a pretty good matchup. They should kind of be able to score um, a lot. But defensively, just do you kind of let Vandy hang around? Do you let Vandy go on long drives? Um, they have a good running back. Do you let them kind of just hang around in the football game? Or do you put your pedal yeah. or your foot on the gas and just take care of it and get 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 the game over with early? I think Vanderbilt's probably going to have a similar plan to Northern Illinois. Why wouldn't you on defense? Why wouldn't you blitz this Kentucky front, right? trying to cause pressure on Levis. Then offensively, I think you're going to see Vandy with heavy run, QB run, try to milk the clock and play like Northern Illinois played. So to me, does it does, is Kentucky early able to distance themselves and turn this into a, what should be maybe an easy pull-away win late? Or is it get in a low-possession game and you're just you, – Kentucky's just kind of ha- messing around with Vanderbilt and look up and they just win by 10. I think that, that's how I kind of see this game playing out. So it's just – Richard to see how Kentucky comes out and handles their business early and get a hot start. It's going to be everything. You start hot, they're going to be fine. If not, you're going to mess around and be in kind of a close game in the third and fourth quarter. The 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 thing that worries me is the the aggravating yards. Uh, particularly, you know, you get yourself in a third and six where the playbook's kind of open. Mike Wright wiggles free, gains eight yards on a scramble. That, that, that's where the direction I can see this game going and what's going to be the first cold football game of the year. It's, it's barely going to be touching 40, um, even once the sun is at its tallest or its highest up in the, the middle of the day. I did, you know, you mentioned Northern Illinois. They, they, they have not done well uh, this no. year. I don't, I don't think Rocky Lombardi came back. Came back for one game. They blew out. I can't remember the opponent they blew it. They blew out somebody, maybe Eastern Michigan on the road, and then he went back out the next game. So yeah, you're right. It was Eastern Michigan. They're two and seven so far. Maxion has not been kind to the Huskies. Although Maxion was, it was really good Tuesday night. I hope you're watching like it because Ball State had a 200 yard running back and they lost. Beautiful. <laughs> they, they lost, and neither team scored more than 30 points. It's not like he had 200 rushing yards and it was a shootout, right? And right. both teams are scoring. No, he. They just their quarterback stinks. He had ninety passing yards. Um, we got to. By the way, let's. I know it's too late this year. We got a lot going on. Can we go ahead and um, plan a start, action trip? 
Yes. Like yeah. well, we need a pre My wife is from uh she's from that neck of the woods. She's in the middle of uh, Muncie's a stone's throw away between Ball State, Bowling Green, Toledo. We, 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 those are very easy drives. Uh, we can make a day out of it. Uh, they got a Bob Ross museum in Muncie. Maybe we can do some painting early in the day. Like I'm, I'm a big Bob Ross guy. So I, I think Muncie has our name all over it. We can even drink out of ball jars. Um, we can put Bud Lights in ball jars and really uh, em- embrace the the Cardinals, the 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 best Cardinals in the Midwest. I heard. I'm for it. Like, can we go to can Eastern Michigan be the opponent? The factory, the, hey, and Chris Creighton—they're—they're they're back to another bowl game. Mm-hmm. Just chopping. I, I think I saw where. So he's got four bowl games, and they had one six-win season in the first in like the previous thirty right. years before he got there. Yeah, <laughs> like, just, build him a statue up there in Ypsilanti. Oh man, Ypsilanti, Maxion. The Maxion's good right now. It's um, it was a great election night distraction, but I'm uh, like it. I remember you talking about the uh, when when little baby baker you, you would do kind of some posts at night before doing the nightly feeding that's where i'm at right now and the maxion is just perfect like look up there's a play i'm kind of writing a little bit all right look back down and then uh kind of <laughs> warm the bottle up as it's as the fourth quarter is winding down so Absolutely. great for new parenting and uh something to keep an eye on, eye on here nick um south florida job just hoping um Davos coaching trees not doing too well. Jeff Scott was an, an awful, awful tenure there in Tampa. Four wins in two and a half seasons. Mm-hmm. Toledo head coach Jason Candle is kind of a popular name surrounding that opening. Mm-hmm. If he went there, it might be an opportunity. Maybe Vince looks into. Maybe tries mm. to get those hat in that ring. Toledo's a really good job in the MAC. If he was ever going to be a head coach, it would be kind of a job like that. He played at Toledo, right? Yeah, he and he coached there. Yeah, so I could see yeah. just keep an eye on that if that if that job opens. I um, I mean, I, I don't know how much Vince wants to uh, co- be a head coach. I don't think he's going to get paid more as Toledo's head coach than he's getting paid right now. No, he definitely have to take a pay cut more than likely. Yeah. You know what? I've heard a different name, though, not Jason Candle. Um, the athletic director was asked if he'd hire John Gruden uh, before <laughs> even making an opening statement in that press conference. Yeah, um, just it's just beautiful. Um, it's gonna be um, a wild. He, Auburn's open, so you know things are gonna get really crazy. Uh, <laughs> and can, so it's can gonna we... be a fun next few weeks. No, I, I I think I'm privately I've been telling people this, but like Nick, the as soon as the season's over on November 26th, the next three we- weeks are just gonna be balls Names. to the wall. Like it's just yeah. gonna be nuts. Head on a swivel. Yep. We're not going to know what's going on. We're not going to wake up, not know what's going to hit us that, that day. But there's just going to be a lot going on. Uh, so I, people just need to like mentally prepare themselves. It's going to be a wild roller coaster uh, for three weeks. And so try not to overreact. Ride the three weeks out, and then we can react after. But it's going to be a wild run there once the season finishes up. Uh, we're, we're starting to see some of the early – I don't want – like right now, all of the the message board fodder over at on three is all about when you're looking at this coaching stuff, such search stuff. It's 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 very normal. We're just kind of throwing stuff at the wall. 
Uh, you're getting funny stuff like, have we, why haven't we talked about Gus Malzahn on the Nebraska board, which really amused me. But we did get the uh, John Cohen hire at Auburn. He left his alma mater at Mississippi State. He had his, his introductory press conference this week. He'll be making he'll be hiring the new football coach. He pulled out a list of 58 things. He, he even had the piece of paper, right? It was like Coach O with his binders uh, going to the interview, just like, these are all the boxes that we're going to check. It's going to be a thorough process. And I I just I love all of the antics when it comes to that. But, uh, you know, amid all of the, the nil talk, that's going to play an a instrumental role, not only in the recruiting of players, but also in coaches and all of this. That, that, that's, that's going to be huge. And we're going to hear the statements. They're not going to go out and say, I came here because I've got $20 million to buy myself a roster. But you, they are going to talk, make the comments like Cohen made, where we're going to be at the forefront and we're going to jump in feet first because his previous school, his alma mater, Mississippi State, that was not the case. Um, at least in the last 24 hours, we hear that Kentucky is getting things moving in the right direction. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know how much of a role that will play in those three wild weeks like it. I'm, I'm more concerned about how it's going to play out over the next three years because you can really fall far behind if you aren't moving in the right direction right now. Yeah, I'm just – Yesterday was election day. NIL is the hot button topic, right? College football right now. Uh, and so it's how you handle that. It seems like, you know, it's it's hard to say, right, Nick? Yeah. We just don't know any, like, we don't know anything. <laughs> like, it's, we know it's, it's we know you need it. We know it's out there. We know it exists. But we're not seeing it. Like, we're not seeing, it's like, how do you make hot dog, right? <laughs> what goes in there? You just, well, you're just not, you, you see, you know, you need it and you know, it's needed to get players and then you see the players on the field, but you don't know how, how you get there. And I think that's what Kentucky's trying to figure out how they need to, how they want to do it, how the athletic department wants to do it. Yada, it reminds yada, yada. me of, of like when you can't, when coaches can't comment on uncommitted players or unsigned players and you're only kind of getting one side of the story. There, there is so much unknown out there. Um, but admittedly, we aren't writing as many so and so inks this nil deal. I mean, you know, we're nine games into the twelve game season, but you know, it's not as it's not as common as it once was at the forefront. So there is a lot of mystery out there. I think it's worth noting that it's also not the end all be all. Uh, the two running back decommitments Kentucky's had in the last month are not because like, that has got nothing to do with nil. The Kentucky's recruiting struggles. That plays a, a role in it, but it's not it's not the end all be all. Yeah. Obviously, like there's been back in the summer, Kentucky was just unorganized with mm-hmm. how they were handing all of that. And that at in part led to I think a slow recruiting start in twenty twenty three, the class. You know, Kentucky had other issues, all heavy staff turnover, all of that. That's so all that summer all. Yep. All of that combined. Um the emergence of Cincinnati really hurt, right? Cincinnati went to the playoff, was selling that. Kentucky was having a hard time beating them for players. I mean, let's just put it bluntly. Cincinnati's got about like six, seven players Kentucky wanted, and that's in their recruiting class right now. They just got beat on some guys. Now they beat them for Anthony Brown. Sounds like Cameron mm-hmm. Calhoun's maybe a guy they might flip, which 
when that happens, that could just be that's going to be the ultimate recruiting story. Yep. Right. <laughs> I mean, oh man, you were talking about a roller coaster. And so, like, there's just there's a lot of things going on. Uh, it's a, that's why I mentioned like it's going to be a roller coaster. There's a big off season. Um, Kentucky's got a lot of stuff they need to figure out, like recruiting wise. I think they got staffing decisions they need to make. Yeah. Amar Stewart, Stewart, excuse me, notably, he's got that contract that like expires as soon as the season's over. I think. Settle is he? His is probably. And settle probably was a, probably one we need to look at. Yeah, he only signed a. Most of his are on two year deals, right? We haven't heard year. of him getting extension, so yeah. yeah, yeah. There's there could be some more staff turnover, right? And let's just play that game. DL running back. Typically, if you look at coaching staffs. Recruiters, those are two positions where maybe two of the best recruiters are on the staff. Haven't been doing it. Well, just moving forward, that's a that's a big one. Oh, one guy's caught my eyes, you know, Cadillac Williams. Yeah, at Auburn. How, how were you watching that game Saturday night? Yeah. How much fun was it watching him just run up and down the sidelines? Yeah. That I was mean, that was awesome. I was I was rooting for him hard. Cadillac played for Eddie Grant at Auburn. I, I, I'm sorry if I'm making that, if I'm getting ahead of myself, but that makes a lot of sense here. <laughs> it does. And so he's a good recruiter. Now we need to see who Auburn hires and see how that works. But like that, to me, you make that happen. No matter how it, you know, like you got the relationship there. If Auburn, mm-hmm. if he does, if he leaves Auburn, that seems like a good landing spot here for him. Um, and then like finding what, what do you want to do at the, now that's if, Stoops decides to move on, but like, yeah, they they're just gonna they need staffing changes. We need to find out if Stoops is staying, right? Um, there's scuttlebutt <laughs> regarding that, and so we got to get through get through all of that, and then transfer portal on top of it, and recruiting on top of it. It's and then the bowl bowl selection process on top of that. I mean, there's just a lot of stuff we're gonna have to get through here. Yeah, coming up soon, and so like, but mainly Kentucky NIL. My opinion on it was. In the short term, this might not this might be sour grapes or might not feel very important. Long term, he needs to, they need to have this process figured out and they need to know what their plan is and they all need to be on the same page because the, at the end of the day, this is all about doing what your competitors are doing and doing it better than them, right? And so that's the bottom line. If, if your competitors are doing this to get players, you need to do it to get players and you need to do it better than your competitors. I mean, that's... At the end of the day, that's what this is about, and so mm-hmm. get figuring that out, I think, is important. Um, Matt, obviously, on Wednesday, kind of opened up on the situation. As is, hopefully, we'll have some more information, concrete information about what's going on next week. So, yeah, yeah I, I, I think it's important that that this is happening. Um, at least something is happening. At least, I guess, we'll find out more as we go on. But yeah, it's an important issue. You can't. You gotta have that stuff. For, you gotta have your ducks in a row. You cannot have not be organized, and that's I think my big issue with Kentucky. It just seems like they're not organized, really, as an organization since NIL came, and then all the change on football. It's just been a lot of change. They just need to right, right, get, right. Get on their foot on solid, solid ground and figure out what direction they're going in. Well, and my uh, my example was the the old recruiting room because that just is something tangible that you could see. You could see how far Kentucky was behind in their facilities. Clear as day. And the biggest problem was that it it just it takes so long to play catch up. I mean, it was what four or five years before they got 
all the money raised, all the stuff built. And if you don't do anything, you can fall four or five years behind just like that. Yeah, that's really what I meant, though, is you see the problem now. Fix it now. Don't yeah. wait until you're way behind. Exactly. You know, you're right behind eight ball. And that's, like, let's that's fix, where I'm at. Fix this now. Do not wait. Right. I'm, I'm right there with you. Yeah. Uh, you did mention bowl games. I want to get to those bowl scenarios. But first, I want to remind you that this Saturday, Wextran is running shuttles back to Kroger Field for the Kentucky football game. Skip the traffic this fall. Catch the Wextran game day shuttles to Kroger Field. They're running through UK's campus, downtown Lexington. We'll take you straight to Kroger Field for only a dollar. Just bring exact change, your signals, Find more information, including pickup and drop-off locations at lextran.com. I know one of those locations is outside KS Bar and Grill. Um, they also go through the Transit Center downtown. Um, I know some people are using them to go to and from Keeneland. So uh, visit lextran.com. Find your location today to get in and out uh, for Kentucky football games, just like that with our friends at Lextran. Um, look at, I appreciated your bowl scenario post today because we see projections all of the time and you actually shared us how the sausage is made and if Kentucky does what they should do if they take care of business and things don't get too crazy which you know it's November things can get wild in college football but if things don't get too crazy then we can be taking that Lex train shuttle down to Tampa yeah I would say as we sit today, Wednesday, November 9th, heading into week 11, that Tampa's the favorite. Um, what percent Kentucky. chance are you going to put on it? See, that's interesting because Kentucky's got to win out, right? So they got to, or not win out. See, they got to win two of the games they're favored in. And so, Vanderbilt and Louisville, which is in any other year. Yeah. You just, yeah, go ahead. So Vanderbilt, there they should win. Louisville's a little more close. Like they, I don't think they would win it 10 times if they played 10 to 10. Play ten times, uh, but really, it's I don't I don't know. I would say fifty fifty. How does that sound? Oh, okay. I was going to be a little bit stronger with my take and say sixty forty. Yeah, uh, they just a lot of a lot of things need to hold for them here, Nick. Um, the one to really watch is is LSU. They really need LSU to win out until the SEC championship game. If LSU does not win out. They play Arkansas this week. It, then they play A&M last week, and I believe they have UAB at home. So they should be a big favorite in that game in the middle. But they they got to go to A&M and Arkansas, Arkansas this Saturday. You know, you you really need them to win two row games where they're not going to be more than like a – I guess they'll be like a 10-point favorite against A&M, but it's a, they're only laying a field goal against Arkansas. Yeah. This week. Especially so that, when you get the big win, you read your press clippings. That is really the one to watch for because because here's what's going to happen: Tennessee's either getting in the playoff or they're going to be in the New Year Six. They're going to they they're gonna, they're a double digit favorite here on out. They should go eleven and one. It'd be pretty shocking if they didn't go eleven and one. Alabama Ole Miss winners getting in the New Year Six. New Year Six. They're both going to be the favorite to win out after that. Ole Miss gets Mississippi State at home this year. So they're both – one of those is getting in the New Year Six and the loser isn't. Um, and so the loser of that game is going Citrus Bowl. But what could mess this up is LSU knocks people down a peg, right? And then you can maybe have a scenario where Alabama gets knocked down to the Outback Bowl or to the Relaquest Bowl. 
and then that would knock Kentucky out. So that's really the thing to watch here. It's LSU this weekend. Kentucky getting eight and four, and then watch LSU. As long as LSU finishes nine and three, and goes to the SEC championship, it should be fine. Now, I, I think they would still fall, stay in that, that New Year six range with a nine and four record, a loss to Georgia, or with the ten, well, if they get to, they'd be ten and two. Um, but if they lost, they would be like nine and four, nine and three, and that would just take them out. So I think they would still be in New Year six range at ten and three with a loss to Georgia. But that, that's really who, who I'm going to be watching the most here. Uh, Kentucky obviously needs South Carolina to lose some games, but South Carolina is going to be a touchdown-plus dog in their last three games. Tennessee at home, at Clemson, at Florida this Saturday. Um, so that's probably going to happen. So Kentucky get 8-4. They got a great shot, but they needed some help from LSU. The, the uncertainty, too, um, after that is it's what's difficult because – I don't think folks at Kentucky want to play at like I don't think the administration wants a Nashville Bowl to compete with a UK U of L basketball yeah, game. That's the easy answer, but they can't do it right because of the basketball game. And and, and also just you're I mean you're competing against a lot when normally that Music City Bowl stands alone and is doing well. Typically, that's you're it's on a big one. You're on at the same time as the Sugar Bowl, but it's the game before the playoffs. So you're going to get eyes on that. That's like a good window to be in. But you can't do it this year because you play this. You know your basketball team's playing Louisville at the same time. You just can't do it. Um, the next best bowl game here is the Las Vegas Bowl, Nick. Yeah, it's that first Saturday of bowl season, prime time, eight o'clock on ABC. It's, and yeah. You're going to be playing one of the best Pac-12 teams, and those Pac-12 teams are good. Like you're probably going to see like a Utah or UCLA in that game. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be a rank. It could be a ranked on rank game potentially if Kentucky's eight and four. But Nick, the following Wednesday is. Signing day. That's you can. I'm pretty sure you can host kids on visits that weekend. That that weekend. You, you can. Yes, that's correct. No, I don't see Kentucky signing up. Go. Their coaches going to Vegas and wanting to work from a Vegas hotel room for recruiting. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I can, just, I can just imagine like, you know, Vince being at the blackjack table. Uh, you know, saying hit while he's on the phone. So I don't <laughs> like that. Kentucky's going to have their pick from this group of six. I don't. I, it's hard for me to see them pick in Vegas. I know the SEC wants this to have a big game, but wants this to be a big bowl game. But get signing day up out of here, out of December, or well, otherwise that would be the easy pick. It would be if you yeah. couldn't get Tampa, you would just go to Las Vegas. Uh, and after that, then things get a little hairy. Right? They just went to the Gator Bowl a couple years ago. They try in these group of six to not for three years to keep a team out of that bowl game. Right, right. So they're going to try not to have Kentucky go back down to the Gator Bowl. That leaves the Texas Bowl and the Liberty Bowl. You're both playing Big 12 teams. So you would think Kentucky would go to Memphis just because it's a shorter drive, but I think the Texas Bowl is higher up in the pecking order. Mm -hmm. And so it might be a thing where the SEC wants to send a team to the Texas Bowl, and by default, Kentucky could end up in Houston on December 28th. So basically, it's – it's a mess if they can't get to Tampa. And so they're going to have a hard decision to make. Do they want to play in a primetime spot with Vegas, but all those NSD complications? Yeah. Do yeah. they want to go to Houston or can they go to Memphis? Or or will they? can they sweet-talk Jacksonville and maybe go in there again? Or can they find a way to get to Tampa? I think finding a way to t- get to Tampa is what everybody would prefer over there. It's just – just getting there. So go Tigers. I mean, that's really all I can say at this point. <laughs> go Tigers. Um, yeah, yeah. That 
personal preference, I'm probably taking Vegas. Yeah, I would love Vegas. That'd be awesome for us. It would be it'd be so much fun. And you know, selfishly doing the rush to early signing day, like that's a blitz. Then you can kind of exhale, have Christmas, and then it's right to the bowl. It would be kind of nice to just get everything over with at signing day, and then you can kind of chill out Christmas week and just watch all the bowl games, right? Like you don't have to, you know, wouldn't have to be running around like the the amount of – I mean, there was one year, I guess it was even the Belk Bowl year, where um, I was leaving a practice listening to Leach call the uh, the basketball game. It was the one where Diallo dunked really hard on somebody from Louisville. But like stuff like that, where just selfishly uh, ha- having to to maneuver through some of that is a real uh, pain in the ass, <laughs> for a lack of a better term. So, yeah. Um, and then, uh, <laughs> what if they have a coaching search on top of this? Right? Let's say Stoops does leave. I mean, like, if that happens, I think they're going to want to play in the Vegas Bowl. Yeah, yeah. Because you just want eyeballs. Well, and... you can just get the season over as fast as possible, and mm-hmm. you're just done. Um, yeah, yeah. But if not. They're probably going to want to focus on recruiting, and then we could be going to Houston like the day after Christmas. God, and then that game's on the 28th. Houston sucks. Sorry if you're living in Houston. But and it's in, that ca- just... it's in that cavernous dome. Yeah, yeah. That would just be – I would like going to Legion Stadium, that would be awesome. Raiders tickets, too, have been crazy. And this – the Las Vegas Bowl might actually be one of the better well, attended bowl games. We could catch a hockey game while we're out there. Oh. Go see the Golden Knights. Yeah. It's Vegas. Vegas is awesome. Never been to Vegas. Never been to a hockey game. So, I yeah, mean, look at all can, those boxes. There you go. We can knock them both out. I just, yeah, Vegas would be really, really fun. Yeah, you would have a ball. Like, it's right up your alley. I mean, gambling <laughs> and alcohol. I mean, there you couldn't ask for anything more. It is oh, Roush's haven. In, in, like, all of the, uh, I love. Like, we can spend a day at the sports book. It would the, be awesome. The, the people that do the the road shows, what do you call them? The street performers. Like I love that New Orleans. All of those people who do the dumb little like give me all of that. Like we'll go to one of those stupid shows. Um, the dumber, the hokier, the better. I think I, mean, I would also like the Taco old Bell school. Cantina at night, two a.m. at night. Shut it what, down. What do they call the old area? It's like the old Vegas that's just like yeah. really junky. Like that just screams the old Dixie go- Highway Roush, right? The old, I think the old go- Golden Nuggets over there. We did that yeah. last time we were there. It was it spent the day out there. Old the, Vegas was fun. The, the seedy parts of town, like ah, seedy Roush over here. Like that's it's yeah. right on There's, my alley. Vegas is a, uh, and if you. Golf, golf. If you're in the golf at all, uh, there's some courses out there you could probably play. It Don't they have fun... one that's like a zoo where there's like wild animals on it? Nah. I mean, I'm, maybe they got. I'm sure they after Siegfried and Roy, but um, it's it's Vegas. They got about everything out there. That'd be a fun introduction, but we you know we won't find out. Like you said, it's going to be another three weeks. It's going to be chaotic. <laughs> Once we we get to because the worst part of it, like it, is that. The regular season ends, and then you still got to wait a week for the conference championship stuff. Yeah, and then, and the, the thing about the Vegas Bowl stinks is like fans would only have like two weeks to prepare to get out there. And is there what's the Kentucky basketball schedule like in Gonzaga? Like the next day? That's after the Georgia game. Oh, okay, that's the one that's sneaking up on me. No, it's we'll the, have there will be a basketball game that Saturday. Like you'll have the Kentucky, you'll have a Kentucky double dip basketball. It's UCLA. Play, yeah, <laughs> what's that game like? 
5.30, you would go right into the, the football wow. game. I think the football game's at 8 Eastern time. Yeah, it could Eastern. be an all-time day. Yeah. You could so it, you could you could play UCLA in football and basketball the same day. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that could be crazy. Oh man. And you that could, could be you know, you could do the double time. dip. You can go to the book and you can bet both both the cats. Cat you you go get cats money line football probably and then cats Yeah. Yeah. Which, uh, points against UCLA, wherever that from, game's at. I'm from, not sure in UCLA's good in basketball, I it's, think this it's year. It's in so. New York, so it would be on yeah. either side yeah. of the <laughs> The country that would also be a horrific matchup for Kentucky football. Like I want no part of DTR Charbonnet. I mean, as good as Kentucky's defense has been, there. Yeah, UCLA's defense stinks though, and so that would that would help some. But yeah, you're right. Uh, but who knows with opt outs and stuff where we'll sit. That's true. That's true. Uh, I love. I, I was watching uh, Van Pelt, and they had uh, they had a baseball stat where it was like this is they were doing the rankings. First time four Pac-12 teams have been in the top 13 since 2016 or something like that. And I'm like, man, that is such a baseball. Let's put as many guardrails up around this stat as possible just to say that the Pac-12 is, in fact, good. Uh, I I know we have ranking takes. My favorite are Wes Rucker's. Um, That guy is uh, a (laughs) lunatic. My God. There's nobody drunker on Tennessee Kool-Aid than that guy. Uh, But I I, I love – uh, the rankings, super duper hot takes. Just glad Kentucky's back in them. Um, and I, man, I, I forgot the the direction I was going to go with that. Other than like, I, yeah, man, I, I had I had a take there, and it just it just completely escaped my mind. Well, I don't know what Kentucky's going to be ranked when number one team comes to town, as long as Georgia takes care of business. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And then it's also good three times in five years you're ranked in the top 25 in November because that's that's where this is important, right? These are November rankings. These are end of the season. So I, I think that's a good statement on where you are as a program that you're a top 25 team more times than not in November, right? Like what what yeah. more can you ask for? It's They're going to play on another stage next week, Nick. TBS, mm-hmm. SEC, it wasn't as big as we were hoping. Game day's not coming. It's game day's probably going to go out to I think UCLA, USC's that day. So that'll be game day. Great uniform but, game. But it's still one. It's still going to be one of the better games of the day. You got number one, ten and zero Georgia at your house, with a chance to take a swing at them. We've seen Kentucky in these big stage games not necessarily play all that well, um, make self inflicted mistakes. Even back to last year, the fumble, Kentucky doesn't recover it. They had a chance to really hang into that game for a while, and they don't. They don't recover that fumble. That kind of puts them in a hole. One though, Robinson drops a touchdown, and then mm-hmm. of course Tennessee this year, and of course Ole Miss. Even I would say, they just they kind of pissed the game away. This is another chance here to on a stage play well. Let's see if you can go and play well. I think that would go a long way um, if they could go and do that. I mean, they played in a lot of big games this year. This is the first one at home, Nick. Yeah. They haven't had a big game at home like like this since I would say Florida last year, Florida LSU last year, uh, and that that on a national scene that wasn't the same as this one. Uh, so yeah. let's see if they can go and put a good performance together at home. And so, like I'm not expecting Kentucky to win that game. Georgia's a terrible matchup because a lot of ways Kentucky is many Georgia, and so you're yeah. trying to beat Georgia at what they do best, which is not what I would advise. 
But then again, no one can really beat Georgia right now. So, you know, you I, you want to see them really hang around and put pressure on Georgia in the second half. That's really what you're asking for going into that game and then win the two sandwich games around that spot. Which gets me to a point I want to make, Nick. Like, how are we feeling about the offense after Missouri game? Uh, like, we hammered they, them. Rightfully, I think they got hammered after the Tennessee game. So, how are we feeling uh, right now? Before I get into it, I just want to make the point um, that, wow, it's crazy what happens when Tennessee's offense has to play against man coverage. Like, oh, big surprise. Like, when you have athletes, good on good. Somebody asked – well, why why don't they run that offense in the pros? And it's like because the pros are good enough to guard you. Well, <laughs> Georgia's got big number eighty eight in there, and he's yeah. healthy. Mm-hmm. That, that that helps. Too. And he is just a game changer because you cannot they can't block him, so <laughs> he's just wrecking wrecking shop on the interior, and that's really the difference with that. To beat that when that Baylor Art Bryles offense, which by the way. Some people try to tell me that it wasn't the Art Browse offense. <laughs> okay. <laughs> to beat that, you just gotta be yeah, we got war daddies up front, well, right? Uh, and that was the thing about Alabama I was disappointed in is that they didn't really make an impact. And I thought Will Anderson would kind of wreck shop and he really yeah. didn't that game. Well, we but, saw what Josh Allen did to this offense when Hypo was at Missouri in twenty eighteen. He ate Drew Locks lunch every single down, and they went three and out like 27 so, times in a row. Yeah. So you have to match up on the outside. They're going to get one on ones. You just had, if he makes throws, he makes throws, but he missed some throws mm-hmm. in that game, and they just wrecked shop inside, stopped the run, and got pressure up the middle on Hooker. You just have to be, that's really kind of the way to beat that, but it's a personnel thing. Not a lot of people have that. Right. Right. And so for Kentucky, you're hoping maybe two years, junior Deion Walker can maybe become something like that where he can just, yeah, Rex shop yeah. there in the interior, but those are the kind of guys you have to have, and you got to. Georgia has them, and not many people have them. So Tennessee's going to score on a lot of people. But I'm interested to see Tennessee this weekend because Missouri's got dudes on the interior. Yeah, that's true. That's and true. Missouri play; they'll play man coverage on the outside. They're comfortable in bump and run. I'm interested to see how they match up. Now yeah. it's not going to. Now the problem is you got you need complementary football from your offense. Like yeah, and the best thing Tennessee does so is bad. get offenses behind the chains, and then they get their offensive field position advantage. They've done it all year. Yeah. Uh, and so Missouri, can they keep their defense? If they can put their defense in good spots, I think they got a chance to hang around in that game. But as we saw against Kentucky, they can Tennessee puts a lot of pressure on you from on both sides because of that. And, so. Then this is a good way to get back to what you said about the offense. And I I understand giving Drink a a vote of confidence, um, even though he he let like that that some of those these losses this year for them are inexcusable. I understand giving him a vote of confidence now. Um, Six million dollars is still a lot to be paying some dude to be five hundred. So they pay. I know that's kind of the going rate to, to to compete right now, but that that feels like a lot. Um, well, I, rewind to when they hired him, Nick. I don't know if you remember this. Yeah, Job, I mean, Barry, Barry Odom was doing just what he's been doing, right? Yeah, Barry Odom was 500. They fired They fired him, okay, and their AD, who's been let go since then, came up with a list, turned it into the board of the trustees, and they were like, hell no. This ain't good enough. Go out and find somebody else. Um, like, I think Blake Anderson was on that list, mm-hmm. uh, who's now the head coach at Utah State. Trying to think, I can't remember off the top of my head who else was on that list, but it was a very like, really, this is you hired Barry Holdem to do this. Yeah. Um. So they go out and they hire fire, hire Drinkowitz, who was one year at App State, 
he was making like eight hundred and twenty thousand dollars, and they paid him four million four or five years. And everybody was like, "Why did they pay them this much? You don't need to pay yeah. him four million. Right, right. Uh, so they did that, and then they did it. I think Jimmy Sexton's his agent, so props to him doing his job, getting drinking with six million. I think. Like when the extension came, I, I was talking to people in the press box. I was like, "Yeah, that makes sense because like he's doing a good job recruiting, and so it's kind of like, all right, here's a two year extension. We believe in you, mm-hmm. point two, but you know we still need to see more." Right. I did not see the six million coming. That was a shocker, mm. uh, especially when you look at Drinkowitz. What is he? He's responsible for the whole team, but his expertise is offensive quarterback, right? Exactly, and that's the offense, where they've been. Their offense workers, stinks, man. and they botched the QB stuff in the offseason. Yeah, so bad. Let Basilak walk. He goes to the portal. They swing a miss on Jaden Daniels. They swing a miss on JT Daniels. Um, and Gary Bohannon, he transferred from Baylor, picked USF over them. So they had to start Brady Cook by default when they really didn't want to. And now you look up. They've got a borderline top 10 defense if they – had a top fifty offense, they would be pushing for they would be pushing for the Outback Bowl nine win season. Did you see? Have you seen Kentucky's defensive SP plus ranking? Yeah, seventh. Well, that just gets me back to <laughs> gosh, like you uh, meat on the bone. Like they really and and so they really missed an opportunity here. Like I don't know what else to say, <laughs> but they really really missed a big chance this season because of how good that defense has been with injuries. Yeah, and without producing a ton of havoc, and with their schedule, I mean, yeah, it, they should, a top twenty-five offense with this defense is really doing some damage. I mean, they are eight and one right now, Nick. I think with top twenty-five offense, the only loss but, would have been to Tennessee. But to this offense's credit, they started putting points on the board. They finished drives. Uh, they had playmakers make plays. They even had plays called back. Touchdown plays called back, and they still found a way into the end zone. They overcame some adversity um, despite being pretty banged up. And, you know, another day where Will Levis was on his back uh, as many times as he threw incomplete passes. Like he six, I believe that was correct, six sacks and six incompletions. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was going in the right direction. I just uh, – more first down passes and more – for me, a lot of it is the, the lack of complimentary football. The quick yeah. three and outs are so brutal. I mean, if you get – even if you do have one of those successful runs – Two chances on, to run out the clock. Yeah. Two. I mean, get you a first down. you got to get a first down. Six yards. Just keep the chains moving. Like it's get not, a first down. It can't be that difficult. Yeah, I think uh, the, uh, the biggest issue I had in that game – now, number one, I thought the start was really good. I thought they came yeah. out with a good plan – Mm-hmm. To be at the beginning, they really almost had two touchdowns there, right? They had they put two scoring possessions together. They just missed that field goal, so that that was disappointing. But I thought it was a good start, which is what we wanted to see, right? Will Levis was made plays in the red zone on third down. Every touchdown had a big third down completion from him. Um, the one, the key first drive, the one that hits Tavian Robinson for 15 yards on a third and eight, I believe, before Rodriguez runs it in. And then the last one, obviously, key again. All of those were on third and obvious passing downs. So I thought that was good. Good start. Um, that was what you need Levis to do. You want Will Levis to look like Will Levis. That was one of my checkpoints. He looked like Will Levis in that game for the most part. But the in-between was just not good, Nick. It was – I get wanting to – like, the best thing they do, like, you want to give the ball to Chris Rodriguez, right? 
But they were just getting behind the chains way too much, way too much. And then once it's second and ten, they were toast on offense because it's obvious passing downs, two downs in a row. Uh, And so, like, for Kentucky to look like we want them to look like, which is kind of like that Mississippi State game, they got to get back to having their rushing efficiency. Like, they need Chris Rodriguez to keep them ahead of the chains. Like, if you look at his success success rate numbers last two weeks, they're not very good. And it's a lot of negative plays, Nick. Um, and that's not that's something we've never seen from Rodriguez. So what does that tell me? It tells me the offensive line is just not doing its job. If he's getting hit um, ta- and having a bunch of no gains and tackles for loss, I believe his stuff rate is right at like 22% the last two games, which is way, 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 way higher than his career averages. So Than it should ever be. Right. So right. if they're not – so you gotta you got to balance it out a little bit if – you're playing like against Georgia, because like Vanderbilt, I think they're going to be able to run the ball on early downs. They're going to stay ahead of the chains, but against Georgia, like that's they're going to stuff the run. It, it took 29 carries for Chris to get 112. That, that's and, a lot. And he had a few chunk runs in there. Like he had to run a 25. I think he had to mm-hmm. run a 15. And so I take out the chunk runs, and it was uh, it was a lot of carries for a little yardage uh, because so, Missouri was just beating them up at the line of scrimmage. Their offensive line up at the line of scrimmage. But we can commend uh, Rich for, for making some efforts to make positive change. He, he went up to the booth. Um, he also ran Will Levis out of the shotgun a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought that was moving in the right direction. It is worth noting, Luckett, um, because I was I was scrolling through uh, the game notes, looking at some numbers. Chris has that rushing record. Uh, it's going to be tough. But he's a lot closer than I thought he could get. He had four four game suspension, and he didn't get a ton against Ole Miss. Right? He was still kicking the rest off. So you're essentially taking away five games, only getting like a half season of work. And he's right now needs to average 140 yards over the last four games. Like that's that's very doable. Now the, the we'll know after Saturday Georgia. if he has a chance. Yes, yes. Like he's gonna, he'd have to rip off, I think, over two hundred Saturday or right around it. Right, right. And then but, you could talk yourself into it if you get a bad def- run defense in the bowl game. Right now, Illinois is one of those potential opponents. You ain't doing that against Illinois. Their rush defense yeah. is better than Georgia's. But um, I mean, he's about to. He's passing Mo Williams. He's passing Mo Williams on Saturday, and only needs twenty-two yards, and it'll be Sonny Collins and Benny Snell um, are the only two ahead of him. So, um, well, Mo. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I got, I got confused. Yeah, yeah, got you're right. people. You mix up, yeah. but yeah, it's um, it's impressive what Chris has done in a limited amount of time, despite the the lack of efficiency um, from and and also just the the poor offensive line play. So um, that's within reach. We also are uh, most likely going to see DeAndre Square surpass a career milestone against Vanderbilt. He's got 299 career tackles, one away from the 300 tackle club. There's only been 20 in UK football history, four since the turn of the century in 2000, and Mike Edwards is the only Wildcat to do it under Mark Stoops. Uh, that's on the line. He's expected. They're expecting Square to be back after he missed that that Missouri game. I got a feeling he won't play it a ton. Still, like you don't need him to play a ton, um, but nevertheless, like because yeah, Trevin Wallace was freaking awesome against Missouri. Right, like that guy. I mean, just shouts, shout out to the D. I mean, the defense is just really good. They've got depth, <laughs> guys coming off the bench playing well. 
it's going to be fun talking about them this offseason, what they could potentially put together on that side mm-hmm. of the ball. Because Square and Asian, and uh, of course, Jacquez Jones, they're the only big seniors, but you played most of the season without Jones, who also stuck on 299 tackles. Uh, in his You've career. played without all of them and have held up in certain areas. And like, you're going to get Jalen Geiger back next year, and you can just move him back to his original position, which was that strong safety spot. Mm-hmm. With Asian. I love it, play free. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, you're just, and then you have Zion Childress as a pretty good third safety. Yeah. You're going to have to find a spot for Alex Safari. Andrew Phillips looks like a guy who's going to be able to be yeah. a starter for you. Maybe slide it back out the corner, which opens a spot for Vito Tisdale to come back and play nickel. You know, you're losing Square and Jones, but De'Aaron Jackson and Trevor Wallace are getting big reps this season. They're going to be ready um, to be starters. I mean, there's just, and the whole D line should be back. Mm hmm. You know, it, dudes. See a start from D, a, a step forward from Dion Walker. Um, get Ox on the training table, and like you're gonna have, you're gonna be in a good spot next get year. Get JJ I just, to come back and, and get JJ to come back and then, and then Keaton Wade steps in for Jordan Wright. I just there's a lot to like about this defense, yeah. man. It really is. It really is, and they that's where they've recruited their best. They're in receiver, right, with Stewart and. Um, you know, I mean, Jacoby Albert didn't play at all this year. Like, there, there's, there's a lot of uh, we're doing well out there. This is also is going to be a low key, pretty, pretty big recruiting weekend. Like it, uh, you get the big Florida commit that's a four star defensive lineman, Will Norman, who's officially visiting. Uh, uh, kid, I'm watching. Go ahead. Is is the Corrance kid? Is he is he officially visiting? Did I say that, or is it just unofficial? The, the uh, Trey Corrance. Cornest. Yeah, I Corrance. think it's. Right. I think it's a. I think it's an official. I'm not sure. Uh, but Nick, the, the, quietly, we got Brad White working in the shadows here, man. Yeah, yeah. Brandon Hillman, top 500 prospect from Virginia, Portsmouth, Virginia. I'm assuming they're recruiting him as a defensive back. I do not know. No, he took an official to Notre Dame in October. Virginia Tech's been trying very hard to get him. Kentucky quietly got him on an OV. He's announcing next in this sometime in December on his birthday. That's somebody to watch out for. Top 500 prospect. It could be another quality def- defensive prospect they're getting there with Jeremiah Anglin, with you said Stewart, and with the linebacker mm-hmm. out of Georgia names to escape Grant, Grant Godfrey. Yeah. And so that, I think they're doing some good things there on defense. And Brad White, that would be – he was kind of – he split with Collins there kind of for Godfrey. I think he – like the Jamin Davis sale was big. If you go back and mm-hmm. read our report on his commitment – that was White was a big part of it, and then he could get a big one right here. And last year he got Fearbury kind of out of nowhere, out of Pittsburgh. He's doing some good things recruiting, so that's something to watch out. The one thing I'll be watching kind of closely this weekend, and obviously, yeah, uh, Cornus is the big one, the running back. He just got another offer from Louisville, Nick. Yeah, yeah. And so he's blowing up a little bit. Power back, 5'10", 215, 220 pounds. It's kind of what they need. Bowling ball. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, well, I get to to start to put a bow on this this podcast. Uh, we appreciate y'all following along. KSR YouTube channel, uh, Apple, wherever you you check out your podcast. Um, to get back to the Vanderbilt game, I just we we've seen these kind of ugly Vanderbilt games plenty of times. You know, uh, they hang around more than they should. It's not really the cleanest game. 
we know anything about this Kentucky football game. Clean football is just not in their vocabulary, so it's going to be ugly. It's going to be cold, gray skies, coldest game of the year, 40 degrees. What what are some of those, those, I don't want to say benchmarks for success, but like what's something that will make you happy leaving Kroger Field on Saturday in addition to just another Kentucky win, uh, a seventh for the season? Fast start, first quarter start. If they start fast, they're going to be in great shape. If they don't, it's going to be a slog. Mm-hmm. Uh, then just keeping the quarterback clean. I think what we're going to see from Kentucky is they're just going to try to run it like they did against Mississippi State, get ahead of the chains, stay out of predictable passing downs. They do that. I think they, they could keep Levis clean and then – they can be precise about when they want to go to the air and pick apart what's been a bad secondary and a very bad pass defense this season. And so I think that's really what they're looking for. To me, it's fast start, keeping Levis clean, and big gains through the air because you should be able to yeah. move the ball at will kind of against this defense. And then for them to just be Kentucky on defense, do not have kind of a – Fast start again on that side of the ball. Like we saw in Northern Illinois game, they came out and gave up that big, long drive um, to start the game. Vandy's going to want to milk clock and and keep Kentucky's offense off the field and just try to hang around it for as long as possible. And so don't let them do that. Get get them in a hole early, and then I think everything's going to be fine. But if you don't, it'll be a little iffy there, I think, in the fourth quarter. For me, it's it's the wider part in particular too. Just seeing some of those receivers make some big plays, some big highlight plays. It's just fun, and I, any sort of way we can inject some excitement into Kroger Field Saturday, I'm here for it. Here for it. Big play, Barryon, Danky, whoever, wherever. Let's make it happen. Yeah. How about no snaps over the head? How about uh, <laughs> you know, they made all the extra points. Now, look at beggars can't be choosers. So, how about how about that? Let's just focus there. No special teams catastrophe. How about no flags on special teams? Like they still had like we didn't talk about it, but they had two flags on returns. Yeah, you're you're asking too much. Like you're, you're asking for too much. Uh, just uh, this team is just infuriatingly, and and that's really my biggest bone to pick with Mark Stoops, and he doesn't have a straight answer for me. That's a lot of him and hauling around. I don't know what it is, like. Uh, is it well? There's a Dean Hood scuttlebutt because Murray State's not having a great year. It, it, it's it, but it's the overall lack of discipline that's really frustrating to me, and some of that is just players just in between the ears, right? Like, and I don't think he's going to throw them under the bus publicly. I wonder what if I gave Stoops Truth Serum what it would be because in theory they've got the older leadership. I just don't know the the dumb plays, the silly undisciplined stuff. To it me, all, it's just. It's, but, but like that, the last word you said, right? It's offense. Oh, it's I was special. saying in all phases, but yeah, okay. uh, offense, special teams, the De- defense is few and far between. But they still had two offsides penalties on third and twenty, like maybe but third and ten. Third and twenty, not third and seven, right? Like they still keeps them in long, like. You willing? I will. I'm not going to get mad at the defensive because guess what? They still got off the field there. They did. True. That's true. To me, like, it's just, it's number one, it's the offense. How many times do we have to see key procedural penalties in huge critical spots? 
Another third and medium turns into third and long on the dang key touchdown because you jump a false start. Yeah. And then you allow Missouri to get in their best pressure package because of that. Can't have it. Yep. Saw it at the end of the first half against Tennessee, the Ole Miss game, obviously. That keeps happening. And then special teams, like, I don't like those two phases have just they just let the team down, man. They just really have. Um, so that like to me, like you gotta get get rid of that. Like I don't know, like it might be a game. Let's see what DeAndre Buford has for a couple series at right tackle. Yeah, let's put him out. See if he can hold up and pass pro because you got to find out, right? Well, it will, if, if it's as bad as it was the last two weeks. You got to you got to try something else, you know. <laughs> yeah. And I thought Buford did, did some good things in the run game earlier in the season. They get specifically against Mississippi State, so maybe he's somebody that gets a look this week. But yeah, it just it, just sloppy, and that it's specifically on those two ends. It's just been mm-hmm. sloppy. Uh, to me, with the offense, it's just those false starts have just they come at like the worst time. awful times. So like, bad. What? And they've been drive killers usually. Um, Kentucky was able to play through it, but they've been drive killers. In a game like this, where you got a chance to maybe boat race some team, don't have drive killers. Just handle your business early. Like I think everybody would breathe a lot easier if Kentucky comes out and they just get out to twenty-eight-three lead. Most dangerous lead in football. <laughs> yeah, that's the Falcons. That's the Atlanta Falcons. But like you know, what I'm saying just yeah, like yeah, it'd be nice to boat boat race someone. Would be it would be, and you ain't going to get that the next week uh, with Georgia looming. So it'll be much different podcast when we're discussing. The Cats this time next week. But it has been a pleasure, as always, Adam Luckett. Appreciate you all joining us on the KSR YouTube channel. Appreciate Port Royal Plants for sponsoring 11 personnel. And uh, hopefully we'll be having a lot of fun Saturday at Kroger Field. So uh, until next time, for Adam Luckett, I'm Nick Roush. So long. Go Cats and go Kroger.